Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 47 for the 13th of June, 2007. Hello, Ian. Hi, James. How are you doing? I'm doing splendidly well. Excellent, excellent. And where in the world are you today? Uh, I'm in the sunny town of Malmo in Sweden. Very nice. And I'm in Thundery, Hampshire. Fabulous. Brilliant. Um, so here we are. It's On The Couch, episode 47. It is. We're cracking on with some UK news, international content delivery, IPTV, mobile gaming, and other crazy stuff. And other crazy wild stuff. And as usual, there's a packed agenda of stuff to talk about. So uh, I guess we should kind of kick off. Um, bizarrely enough, I guess you should start with the UK news because you're in Sweden. You've got something more news about the switch off. Obviously, it's approaching here in the UK. Indeed. And this is a very exciting time for uh, the UK, which uh, allegedly this is one of the biggest infrastructure projects, or at least broadcast infrastructure projects ever constructed in Britain. And as we know, uh, we talked about this last week, how Britain doesn't just have one big gigantic transmitter. Yeah, lots of transmitters everywhere. They've got yeah, stacks so. and stacks and stacks of them. Mm. Uh, so they've got lots of low-powered ones. So it's actually quite a big effort to essentially duplicate the entire uh, television broadcast network. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think we've kind of done this before. I mean, some years back, I'm sort of showing my age here. We introduced a new channel, Channel Five, mm-hmm. and that involved you know, massive. I think it was like half a billion pounds or something. Basically, having people retune everyone's VCRs at the time who had right. analog RF outputs. Uh-huh. We were typically using the the designed. Um, it was channel, I don't know, thirty eight, thirty nine, or forty had been left clear for this for some purpose, mm-hmm. but they were being reoccupied. So people potentially had to go in and retune everyone's VCRs. Right. Um, I can't quite remember how that was managed. They said I didn't. I didn't don't think I had a VCR then. That was a, an aspirational <laughs> product. Um, but I guess yeah, they're, they're saying that they will have to go into a lot of people's homes and show them what they can do. Maybe give them the voucher for the box. Potentially a new antenna. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in the way I see it, they might need a new antenna in the early stages. But as soon as they switch off analog, they can belt up the power on digital. Well, absolutely, because then um, it's, a, it's a whole heap easier at that point. Yeah. So hopefully that'll solve a lot of the problems. But they still have to, you know, the logistics of getting the box out to, um, you know, someone who probably doesn't hasn't heard about digital yet. So. Well, apparently the awareness of switchover now stands at ninety-seven percent in Whitehaven. So three mm. percent of people still don't know it's happening, and it's three percent of them without electricity. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, well, I mean, we'll wait and see. I mean, it's uh, it's a brave brave step to take, but I guess it yeah, has to be say, done. They're saying that two percent of the population will not convert to digital, but I don't know what they're going to be watching after it gets switched off. Well, it'd be interesting to see what the penetration of TV licenses is. Actually, that's true. Yeah, that's the other side. Does you know is it assumed a hundred percent of people have licenses? Mm. I don't know. So, and I guess that's why there's a government obligation because the license comes from the government. So. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't. They can't expect to take the money if you can't watch it. So, absolutely. Well, I think mm-hmm. it'll. I think it'll go fine. Uh, something the British are fantastic at is putting processes in place and making sure it all happens. So, <laughs> I, I have no doubt it'll bureaucracy. Bring it back. <laughs> bring it on. It'll there kick off just fine. Fantastic. So, um, you were trying to talk a little bit more about in the international segment, a bit about Sweden, local stuff for you, obviously at the moment. Something about digital terrestrial. What's going on there? I, I've heard before about a thing called uh, I think it was called Boxer in Sweden, which yeah. was yeah, a kind is- of it was like a e-commerce or t-commerce, I guess, program where you you get a box subsidised or for free, and then you'd you transact on it, and there'd be a um, a model for that. That's all I kind of heard, and it wasn't very successful. But Nokia, obviously, major company in that neck of the woods was supporting it so 
What, what's going on now? Well, Sweden's uh, boxer service kicked off in 1999, as it happens, mm. um, and originally it was it was uh, seen as a very much like the Freeview service. Uh, although right. back in 1999, it wasn't called Freeview, but I think it was called was it the ITV service back then? Probably on digital. Okay. Or, yeah. So Sweden had a look ac- look across the uh, across the water oh. and said, <laughs> yeah, "Let's do something like that." Um, and again, there was uh, the the choices for broadcasters was fairly stark. You could either put it on, uh, put your channel on air as as a free to air channel, mm-hmm. or you could put it on as an encrypted channel, but only using Box's encryption. Right. So essentially, uh, you were locked in either way, and and the uh, the Boxer company uh, controlled everything in terms of wh- where the whether you were allowed to broadcast you were stuck all, in a box, how much perhaps, bandwidth you yeah. got, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So there's been in the in the past there's been a bit of a fuss in Sweden apparently about the fact that uh, it's not a true open platform and not just anyone can join up and, and start mm-hmm. broadcasting a channel. And I guess if there's only one, then you're bound by whatever terms they impose upon you as well. That's right. So the, there's been a long running debate about this, and the the pickup in the in the early days was pretty much nothing. Mm. Uh, there wasn't a lot of reason to uh, to actually subscribe to the service or in use any of these extra interactive services, which is where they thought they were going to make all their money. Okay, so what's changed? Well, what's changed is the, now they've started publicising the fact that uh, analogue is going away, penetration has now started to pick up, right? Uh, and the government has now decided that it's about time uh, that the uh, that the the rest- they restructured the way digital terrestrial was done in Sweden. And this right. turns out to be mostly because uh, of an EU edict that says that you can't just go to one place for your television, which is essentially what's going to happen once uh, once mm. that gets switched off. So they haven't decided exactly what I mean, they're going to do. Presumably you're allowed to go to one place, but you're just, you've got to have a choice. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And you I'm can sure go to one place of many. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but I guess they have satellite already there. I don't know. I guess they must have some kind of IP TV, but... Uh, I haven't heard anything about IPTV, but I'll do some research mm. for next week as I chat to people here. Yeah. And I'm sure a bit of DVBH as well. There might be some terrestrial trials oh, and stuff. Absolutely. And even um, WiMAX. I'm sure there's been some WiMAX TV yes. trials and things around there. So, so they're up to 700,000 mm. subscribers after eight wow. years on uh, Boxer TV. And they're all paying, presumably, being subscribers. Uh, no, I don't. Well, if they, if they subscribe to the pay TV channels, yes. Uh, but you okay. can get free-to-air channels on there as well. Okay, okay. So the legislation is working its way through the Swedish Parliament as we speak, and uh, mm-hmm. I'll see if we can get an update on that in a week or so. Brilliant! Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, now, content delivery. I guess I've um, I've managed to work, watch my first video on demand stuff on over IPTV. Fantastic. So maybe. So you've got your BT Vision service up and running. Well, yeah. I mean, finally, the um, I guess the uh, I haven't actually paid for anything yet because I'm still not that certain. But I have watched some of the free peer reviews, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it does seem to be giving me um, full video on demand now. So well, that's, that's cool, because cool. you were having all sorts of dramas last week. What, oh, what yeah. happened in between? Well, what's happened, essentially, is um, what, what I think's happened is it's probably because I'm in the middle of nowhere, as you know, uh, as we've talked about before. I think it's something probably to do with a content delivery network, because while my, my bandwidth might be available, I reckon it might be something to do with the local caching of content. Uh, okay, um, so actually getting it close enough to you. Yeah, because they've, they've got... I mean, I've looked at the video on demand stuff available on uh, Virgin Media in the UK and they've really got hardly any titles at all hmm. um, uh, whereas BT seem to have you know, several thousand hours of stuff right so quite um, a so large so I'd imagine they need to takes a while for that to sort of get out okay. uh, into the edges of the network so maybe That's they're doing my, some sort of dynamic caching that goes out to the edges yeah, so maybe it's only when people actually ask that they start chucking it all down to your regional exchange or right. something and so maybe you have to ask and then it goes oh dear can't do that 
uh, and it's going to take a long time to move that that amount of content around the network mm. so maybe it's more announcing stuff before it's actually there okay um but we'll uh, watch and learn see what happens i'm relatively happy i suppose with that working um but we shall see and I've got more HDMI cables than I know what to do with them so that's fantastic <laughs> uh, you had a little story about TiVo yeah I, I just thought this was cute there's a, there's a show in uh, in the US called Jericho um, right what's a, that all about it's a post-nuclear apocalypse drama right <laughs> it's a bit like Ooh. The Simpsons only not uh, and uh, Mad Max but new <laughs> that's right uh, and it's being uh, cancelled after a uh, and not enough episodes to find out what actually happens in the next series. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's gone beyond the pilot, but literally, <laughs> no, no, it's gone beyond, beyond the pilot. Um, uh, the, I mean, it's got a bit of a history, in fact, because uh, they they showed uh, some episodes, then they then CBS cancelled it, and then uh, the 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 uh, fans of the show sent twenty five tons of peanuts to CBS in order to protest the fact that they'd pulled the show off. Now, th- there's some. Uh, link between peanuts or nuts and what's happening in the show. I don't know what that link is, but apparently this was significant enough to actually get CBS to put the show back on air. Really? That, so it's a bizarre, <laughs> a bizarre peanut content problem. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so what's happened? What's, what's happened now is that uh, in order to for the show's producers to actually get the show to continue, mm-hmm. uh, they're saying to all the watchers of Jericho, please don't use your DVR to watch. Jericho because uh, in the case of CBS it isn't actually counted uh, towards the ratings and at the end of the day it's only the ratings that matter in terms of but if it's not being transmitted how else are you supposed to watch it uh, well you can you can watch it live oh so it's still going out oh, yeah. it's just okay yeah, but they don't want actually people to TiVo it and then please watch it live <laughs> I know who watches live these days apparently some people do so I just think it's funny that uh, they're actually asking people not to TiVo it so that they can keep the show on air that's uh, interesting, but uh, maybe a bit weird. <laughs> well, Nielsen, you know, are actually recording uh, or taking notice of DVR playbacks uh, these days, but maybe mm. it just doesn't count in, in the case of CBS in this particular. Well, this sounds like a very much a niche channel, which uh, you know yes. isn't really going to. It's not going to rate at all on any rating system, I suppose. <laughs> I, um, I just think it's ironic that the people that are likely to watch a post-apocalyptic. Uh, nuclear drama are in fact the people that probably have TiVos yes <laughs> and uh, TiVoing it well and truly to death they should have just launched it on online or something <laughs> yeah that's um, right bizarre bizarre um, but I'm, I, we need to find out more about that peanut connection anyone who knows about the peanut connection yeah, please do let us know well, if you watch the show know. and you think it's fantastic let us know yeah uh, that'd be fantastic so where do we send that and send anything you like uh, to feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com but please don't send us lots of peanuts no. <laughs> Anaphylactic shock, you could call this episode. Who knows? Um, okay, IPTV. Um, bit of noise going on. I've seen a few announcements at the moment. One thing saying about uh, 3 million uh, IPTV subscribers now in Asia, mm-hmm. um, which I think is predominantly PCCW in Hong Kong and also Japan, where I think Yahoo Broadband is doing some stuff there as well. Right. Um, but you dug out something saying Shanghai Media tripling its subscribers to 1.6 million by the year end. Well, um, apparently Shanghai Media have decided they need a bit of pumping up on the stock exchange, so they've released a statement saying they're uh, reasonably keen on adding subscribers minute by minute. And by the end of the year, they'll have 20 cities covered in China. Uh, and they reckon by the end of the year, China will be the largest IPTV market in the world, surpassing even Hong Kong. So, yeah. yeah. Well, but this is coverage. It's not necessarily subscribers, is it? 
Um, in, in Hong Kong, they have 808,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think I've talked about this before. When I was a subscriber, I wasn't actually paying any money. Mm. It was more get this free when you take our mobile and broadband. Right. So it's sorry, our, what you mean by subscribing, really, doesn't it? Exactly. I mean, similar. In, you know, I would be counted as a BT Vision subscriber in the UK, but I don't pay any money. Yes. You just get it as a bundle, I guess. It's a bundle. And I think, you know, the mm. same is the case here in the UK for cable, where a lot of people get the TV as a consequence of getting the broadband and the telephony. Mm, but probably don't even watch it at all. Well, I'm sure they do, but I mean, it's it's just seen as a bonus. I mean, I know mm. my brother, for instance, he gets, um, I think, Home Choice, which is an IPTV service, but he's actually getting Sky, a satellite service as well. Yeah, right. Um, because they give him a better deal. Hmm. Um, so... It's it's bizarre. I mean, it is quite a... It, the, the idea of bundling services is obviously not new. Um, mm. You know, we've been doing this with with service-based organisations like Telcos for quite some time. Yeah, and the triple play is obviously the, the, the moniker it's been given, or now it's, you know, quad play, triple play is passe, and <laughs> quad play being adding in mobile to the mix as right, well. Right, so you... you pay for everything in one one bill yeah but then i mean the the back channel as you get a bit of sticker shock you get one bill and you go, that's enormous. <laughs> it's a big number because it covers all those things yeah um and it's all also gets very confusing in a very competitive market like here in the uk where you never it's almost too confusing to compare the deals and both mm. or, you know, major players will both claim to have the best deal well that's what's happening with sky and virgin in the uk you can yeah, yeah. look on two subsequent pages of the newspaper and both of them are claiming that in fact they have the best cheapest deal to get all these services together yeah. and so. life's too short for many of us to just spend a long time so we're also a bit lazy so you just tend to stick with the same one that's true um so there we go so iptv you know it seems to be catching on but it, i i still believe myself that it's a it's a defensive measure made by the telcos to preserve that fixed line revenue they've got and to make sure they don't lose their broadband accounts to third parties as well and so that, you know as they have to unbundle in many cases that's true and that, that may be true but uh, I'm convinced that because of that, or even despite of, despite that, the telcos will in fact be end up being the biggest television providers in the world. So this is my prediction for the next That's year. <laughs> <laughs> like in one year, you think that'll happen? Yep, in the next year we'll have uh, more telcos kicking around doing television than Well, I mean, else. you could probably argue that today maybe there's enough, there's more hours being delivered over broadband than mm-hmm. over broadcast or f- well, that are consumed. probably true, depending on how you count it. Yeah, in statistically, everything can be made to be a reality, I'm sure. Um, Mobile news. Um, We've got uh, Steve Jobs announcing it at 6pm. I don't know. The the Apple phone will be uh, launched on the 29th of June. Mm -hmm. And a bit of news about the environment there on the iPhone as well. What's it all about? Yeah, so we've got some details now about what they mean for developers to be able to create applications for the iPhone. Mm. And Steve Jobs at his uh, Worldwide Developers Conference for Apple. Both people were there, apparently. Yeah, pretty much everyone in the world was there. Uh, anyone that has ever had an Apple Macintosh was there. So that's, there's that three or four? Is it <laughs> or? No, I think there was five or six people. Okay. No, no, no. There was actually... Uh, well, I've got one and I wasn't there. 5,000 so. people there? Amazing. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Anyway, so the point being is, is describing now exactly what you can do with the iPhone from a third party. And, you know, it's good and it's bad, but I, I really think... It's, you know, he's shortchanged the platform here. Uh, now, on the iPod, you can't actually buy any applications. So you can get games from iTunes, but you can't get any third-party applications to run on your iPod. They're all kind of built in, aren't they? Yeah. But they're saying you can run Web 2.0, stuff that runs as, as widgets or plugins on Safari, their browser. You can run right. that on the phone. So saying. essentially, so you can do web pages on the iPhone. Yeah, There's a few JavaScript APIs for you to be able to access the phone book and so on. But really, it means that 
you're going to have to be connected mm. to the internet at any time to do these applica- to use these applications. Mm. And it also means that Apple knows exactly what you're doing at what time and knows, you know, is really a gatekeeper yeah. to everything that goes on on, on your Yeah, and iPhone. I think the revelation today was you have to have an iTunes account with your iPhone as well. You have to sort of register. All oh, right, okay. Um, so I think, uh, you know, there's a bit of news going on there. I also, I don't know if we talked about it before, that, um, you know, there's this spat going on between Qualcomm and Nokia about patents on mobile That's phones. Right. So um, actually saying the US now they might have to stop Nokia phones coming into the US because of this Well, I, not only that, I think it's the LG Prada phone, you know, the one that looks very much like an Apple iPhone with a mm-hmm, touchscreen. Mm-hmm. That's been embargoed as well. <laughs> oh, really? Whether that's, you know... The Apple stockholders working on some <laughs> something there, but clearly the iPhones, you know, that's okay with the Qualcomm patents apparently. So, hmm. um, so um, that'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I also came across a, a thing called uh, Helio, um, mm-hmm. Helio dot com, uh, which is looking at a kind of a, it's kind of like a usability kind of issue. It's it's trying to come out with a phone that is a really good phone, mm-hmm. is a really good messaging and instant messaging thing, is a really good games machine. Um, so and, a mu- and a media player trying to do pretty and, much and everything a, and a camera but they've they've come at it from a design angle right. uh, where they've they put a full size QWERTY keyboard into it they've got um, when you game with it you know when you're doing a game typically you rotate the device mm-hmm. and your your thumb is typically used to mash the old fire key <laughs> right, uh, yes. on your right hand yep. whereas the left hand typically is used as a steering kind of arrangement mm-hmm. um, so typically if you rotate a, uh, something normally the on a on a phone your direction keypad that you'd use for uh, navigating around a web page or something is where the mashing key would be and, yes. and directional and mashing don't really go together Correct. so they've had to sort of flip the game thing around and they've they've really come at it from a design angle so mm-hmm. it really will be the best kind of thing and they've made it look sleek so in fact it's quite fat because it's got a big fat battery and a big screen and stuff but and it's got a funny lozengy shape but they're trying to market it as a lifestyle new kind of service kind of thing right um where it's you pay 300 bucks for the device and then you pay between there's something between 60 and 120 us a month for the range of services which obviously includes voice but they're doing you know, instant blogging to your myspace page and yeah, right. all this kind of stuff and downloadable games and all this kind of thing so um i just thought it was quite an interesting concept to try and come up with a lifestyle product hmm. um whether they'll get away with it i don't know it's apparently the guy who started earthlink in the US who's, who's is his kind of brainchild but they've just got lots of designers they've taken a lot of people from Korea um, from SK Telecom right um, and they're trying to come up with a real because I mean uh, in Korea they have the coolest phones I don't know if you've had a chance I've been there quite a few times and they really do have remember a couple of years ago they had video camera phones with 3D surround sound and they were oh sort goodness. of you almost lost them in your hand um, <laughs> amazing kind of amazing thing so they're taking some of the people from SK Telecom right, and getting and them to really work like and, on, serious about it. and yeah Korean Korean uh, manufacturers and Korean design houses mm. to really work on stuff so it actually feels good as well not just kind of here's our, our software can anyone make the hardware they're really focusing on the, the hardware kind of thing so mm. Um, and again, people are saying, well, maybe it's an iPhone competitor or whatever, but remains to be seen. Interesting, because um, I think uh, the, the usability aspect of these devices is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. I mean, we've seen how the iPod mm. has really trounced everyone else, basically because it's just so easy to use yeah. uh, and looks so nice in your hand. I think from an experience perspective, it's a balance of hardware, software, mm. and server-side activity. So it's it's a better system, I yes. suppose. On, moving swiftly on to gaming... Uh-huh. Um, a bit thin on the gaming news. Um, have you got any new stuff for your DS or your, your Wii? Or? You know, to be honest, um, my gaming devices are gathering dust right at the moment. <laughs> it's very embarrassing. I'm definitely going to have to crank those up and see yeah. what's happening. I've kind of 
got some long-term orders in for SingStar on the Wii or something or PlayStation, but you know they'll they won't be being delivered for some time. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing um, Guitar Hero on the Wii. I think that's going to be a cracker. But yeah, so they were talking about wireless access, but that's not coming out for mm. a while. Um, I have my my um, PS2 Guitar Hero hasn't had much use for a while. <laughs> um, so, but I I'll, I've got it all in a guitar bag now. It looks quite cool. It's very portable. Um, you should borrow it sometime. <laughs> I'm going to have to do um, that. Yeah, how many guitars it's do you gathering have? Gathering dust at mind. Two, two. Okay, two. It only it all fits in one nice guitar bag. <laughs> so don't worry. Looks like you're a guitar. Do you you do play the guitar anyway? I know right? I play the piano. So okay, I'm well, completely similar, lame. Similar things, aren't they? <laughs> um, anyway, a little bit of gaming news, which was again Sony. Remember we talked about the guy doing hideous things to a goat. That's right. Um, they, they launched. They've now got what? What game were they launching? <laughs> uh. Gears of War or something? Gods of War. Gods of, Gods War. of War or something. God of War, I okay. think it was. There we go. So it, it did stick in our mind, clearly. <laughs> um, the, the, the other one, um, the thing that's come up is the, the Church of England here in the UK has complained to them, or someone presumably brought the church's attention to it, that uh, their smash hit game, sold over a million copies, is um, a Resistance Fall of Man, which is about aliens invading Europe and um, or UK, I think mm-hmm. it is, and the Americans coming to sort it all out, has one uh, particularly... And it's it's there's this kind of level set in the church in the uh, cathedral Manchester Cathedral, oh, right. um, and you have to go into the church and it's full of these things which are like I don't know scorpions on steroids that are really quite nasty, <laughs> and you have to blow them all up and there's pews everywhere yeah. and uh, and there's I think there's some big bosses with some there's quite a cool weapon you get in there which can shoot through things, <laughs> as I remember, but you have to kill the guy with the shooting through weapon first, which is a bit tricky. Right, so you've um, been, you've been into Man- Manchester Cathedral in a virtual sense. In a virtual sense, and I have shot up the place, <laughs> uh, and but I have rid it of, a, of an evil force as well. To be fair, right, so you, you were doing um, a good deed, really. Yeah, so I think this is you know the church demanding an apology, right. um, unless this is Sony's warped idea of public relations. Once again, know. you never quite know with Sony, do you? No, <laughs> um, but so that was kind of what was really happening there in the game world, <laughs> um, most bizarro. Um, what about other stuff? Have you, um, you're holding out for an Apple iPhone, are you? Um, well, I'm really keen to see them actually, you know, actually see one in real life and actually see some reviews yes. of them. I think uh, the ads for the iPhone uh, that we've seen on... Uh, mm, they look too good to be true, some of the browsing kind of things. How do they, how do they yeah. get the performance out of that little thing? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it remains to be seen. It does look it does look very cool. Um, and I know there are a few celebs have got them out there, but uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, my Apple TV still waiting for to get the new upgrade from the one point zero to get my my um, get the the real YouTube on it. That'll be nice. I'm, uh, I'm presuming it'll be it'll look pretty good given it's re-encoded in MPEG four. Uh, yes, probably from the but original still source. Mm. So some of it's going to look pretty good, I expect. Mm. And my awkward TV hack now has got uh, support for torrents as well. Fantastic. Someone's a torrent thing but I haven't had a go at that yet because after I almost bricked it I thought mm, maybe I'll wait for the upgrade first <laughs> and the upgrade's um, taken a while yes I mean I guess that'll be another 29th of June 6pm special yes um, and maybe they're re-encoding the content not just for Apple TV but for, for other things as well, as well. yeah yeah there's also rumours as well while we're, we're sort of backtrack onto content that Apple are going to look at movie rentals as well that's right that, uh, I mean that's a bit of a change in their philosophy really hmm but then the IPTV guys are doing that. I mean, I was one of the things I did look at to watch on my BT Vision was uh, I looked to rent a, a music video. Okay. But it said, you know, the rental period for this is six minutes. I thought, hang on. Six that means minutes? I can, I can, that's not a rental period. That's a watch no, once. It's a watch. Well, but it was like two minutes longer than the rental period. Mm. So 
that didn't inspire me with confidence, as you can guess. Anyway. <laughs> okay, now, last week you were talking about... We didn't get to talk about something you said about Wake oh, on yes, Land. Oh, yes, Wake on Land. Wake on Land. This is, um, as, as you or some of the listeners may know, I've got a bit of a sort of bug in my bonnet about power consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, be in my bonnet, I should say. Uh, and Wake on LAN is a feature that some of you may not know about, which I was interested to find out. Um, a lot of network devices, certainly in my home, are kind of on the whole time. Yes. Lights flashing, get really quite hot. Yes. Um, but you can put a number of things to sleep, not just with a schedule, but also you can get them to, to wake up with a couple of technologies. One is uh, Wake on Ring, which is where modem cards supported some um, sensor technology, which allows when the phone rings, the modem would wake up right. and wake the computer up. Okay. Uh, very rarely used, it must be said, certainly now. I mean, I, I do use it in my home because I use a, a computer to act as an answer machine. Um, so that, it, actually, it does it through a separate USB device, but that's another thing. Um, the other thing is Wake on LAN, where the network card, where it supports mm-hmm. it, can actually um, power up the rest of the computer. So it's part of the, the power management. But typically, even though I looked at this on my laptop, you have to go into the power management settings and on the network card and physically turn it on, or a BIOS level thing. Right. So by default, these things aren't on. Um, and clearly, you know, in your home network, it would be really cool if you could do something about that. Okay. That, I think. That, um, but that makes sense to me of something that I've seen at home that I've never quite understood in that I've got a, mm-hmm. a, a server at home that's in a kind of a you know, media center type case and that I right. run you know, blogs and stuff on at home. And uh-huh. uh, when you power it off, uh, I was biz- noticed quite bizarrely that the actual LAN lights on the back of the the device was still flashing and doing their, you know, the link was still up and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. presumably... The, Wait, is it off then or not? I was off, but the, the LAN subsystem of the box right. was alive enough to be able to know that there was, you know, a link and packets mm. coming in and so on. So it must have... Well, apparently you have to still have... Uh, and the other thing about in a lot of computer cases, you know, often when the computer shuts itself down, the motherboard still has to provide power from the power supply to the big switch on the front. Yeah, there's still, there's still, still a 5-volt line running... Yeah, it still has to be up and running. The fans um, are off. There's still five volts running around to. Yeah, because it has to detect someone hitting the button on the front, <laughs> or right. equally, you know, to the uh, to the power cords. The only way to check it, you know, it has to be really off is to physically unplug the mm. thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so you, know, you should check your media center out. You know, encourage any of the listeners to have a look and see if their computers are using Wake on LAN, and if you can think of any innovative ways of of using it. Um, I, one of the things I use it for is my. Um, I have a, a Mac Mini as a media server, which also answers the phone. But if I want to sync up with my Apple TV, I clearly need to get it to wake up. Yes. Because um, I set it to go to sleep after two minutes of inactivity or something. And that would be so quite nice if you could get things to wake up when they were needed and then get them, so get them to shut themselves yeah, down. Yeah, I mean, similarly, if you had a, a home web server or something, you could just you know wake up only when it gets a hit. Yeah. Depends, obviously, how long it takes to wake up, That's which true. is the other thing. But uh, hmm. there we go. Save power, save the planet. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, I guess that brings us to about an end there, doesn't it? And so if anyone's got any feedback, where do they send it feedback to? Feedback at com. And just a quick note on a new podcast that we've got starting up called Digital oh, yeah. Vision. So we're taking uh, the On The Couch format and uh, twisting it just slightly to do some interviews with people in the media industry, in the broadcast industry. And the first one we've got is finding out what Sky News are doing in Second Life. So it kind of links in quite nicely with On The Couch. Yeah, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? So. Yeah, so a bit of a background on why they decided to do it and the dramas and tribulations of getting uh, something that looks like real life in Second Life and mixing the two worlds together. Yeah, sounds exciting. I'm looking forward to listening to that myself. Excellent. All right, James, we'll have a great week. I will do, and look forward to hearing how you got on in Sweden next week. Indeed, I'll tell you all about usability. Yes, I look forward to that. Use well. (laughs) All right. Okay, cheers, Ian. Bye. Bye. Bye.